1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: Hi. Hello. Welcome back to Old Millennials. This is, again, one of our mini-episodes. So, a less deep dive into a shallow topic, uh, just maybe a dip into the baby pool. I am one of your hosts, Emily Abasion. And I'm your other host, Margot Poupard. So today we are doing a repeat, uh, not so much a repeat of of subject matter, but a repeat of our MEMBA game. So you may remember um, a few weeks ago, Margot and I did a episode where Margot brought up a subject and we kind of just talked about it. it. usually stems from offline conversations we've had in between recording episodes. And so this week, it is my turn to do the subject. And so today I bring up, do you remember when the Star Wars prequels came out and the hype surrounding them in 1999?
3: So very clearly, because (laughs) my dad really likes Star Wars. I think it has something to do with like moving – I mean – being part of, like, an American dream sort of thing and then moving to America and, like, really loving the movies and stuff. But yeah. the lead-up to the prequels, they re-released all three of the movies. We saw all three of them in theaters. And then we went to the theater, like, opening weekend to see the first episode. And my dad was so fucking pissed. He was like, these fucking pod racers. like They would never race like that. And then, oh, that little that little Skywalker kid. Like, he'd never do that. And he'd never do this. And he was just living. He's like, we are never seeing another episode again. And that was... <laughs> Kind of it. Yes. I remember everybody was so excited at my middle school. Of course. And then as soon as the first one came out, everyone was, like, bur- like not burning their Star Wars memorabilia, but, like, throwing away, like, any... So not like Jar Jar Binks. Maybe it was like the Jar Jar Binks like, plush toys. Like Everybody was just pissed. I just remember the build-up, build-up,
2: build-up. And then everybody was like, George Lucas is a fucking fraud. Yeah. So for me, it was like – I. so I, we're a year apart. So it was like the end of fifth grade for me when that came out. And I remember it was like a half day at school anyway. And so I went with like my sister, I think oh, wow. a, a friend of ours, and our friend's mom. And we went to the theater and I got out of it and I, this is I think everyone was already ro- wi- like riding the wave of nostalgia with Star Wars because they very conveniently had um, done a re-release a couple years prior. Like I remember um, in like third or fourth grade, my parents took me to see a midnight screening of A New Hope because they had just done like the THX remaster re-releases yep. of the original mm-hmm. four movies. So I mean, they very Lucasfilm was very smart. They got a whole new generation of people hooked on it, ready to go for the prequels. You get to the prequel, and like I just remember coming out of that and just kind of being whelmed, if they say, like it, as they say in Europe, according to Ten Things I Hate About You. I mean, there was Jar Jar Binks, which was just a whole slightly racist mess, no blatantly racist oh, mess boy. in in hindsight, like 20 plus years later. Um, and then I mean, every child actor is going to get scrutinized for the most part. We can't all be like Macaulay Culkin. But uh, the kid that they picked for Anakin, um, it was just knowing what we knew about uh, how uh, Anakin and Padme would eventually get together. It was a very weird dynamic to watch 18, 19-year-old Natalie Portman and a 10-year-old boy and just like not think about what was going to happen probably in the next movie. There were some interesting, yeah, I mean, I think just everyone, there was overall disappointment. I think what was crazy, I mean, was just like the hype leading up to it. I remember that people, I read like people would go see movies just to go see the trailer. Kind of like when um, Batman came out, the Tim Burton one in the late 80s, there were a lot of people who would literally just pay money to go see any random movie if they knew that the Batman trailer, or in this case, the Phantom Menace trailer would be in that movie. Like, I can't even imagine now ever doing something like that. Because when we have the internet, but to like $20 movie ticket to go see a trailer just sounds absurd. Yeah, I mean, it's I think well,
3: to be fair, Movie ticket prices were probably closer to like the 1025 $10. range, but even still, especially now because the trailer threatens to essentially tell you the entire story if you're not careful. I-, I can't imagine people would be paying that, would be paying multiple times to go see a trailer that essentially tells you everything that's going to happen in episode one anyway.
2: Yeah, no. That is very true. I think the reason I thought about this uh, particular subject matter for this episode was um, we talked very briefly about, about the Jamie King divorce in that uh, celeb quarantine divorce episode. Obviously, we don't want to go into it too much, mm-hmm. but her ex, Kyle Newman, directed the movie Fanboys which the premise of that entire movie is around the hype oh. for the prequels and a group of friends road tripping to Skywalker ranch to try to convince George Lucas to show them the movie before their friend dies of cancer. And like, and of course, you know, the later on, like they end the movie on the group of friends, you know, spoiler alert, <laughs> after the friend has passed away, you, you see the friends going to go see the movie uh, when it does get released uh, to a wide audience Um And you end the movie right before they start watching it. So you don't see the hype or you don't see their disappointment, but leading up to it's hilarious because you have Seth Rogen in that movie who plays two characters, one, a Trekkie that they, the like group of friends keeps making fun of. And then two, a diehard like redneck Star Wars fan who's like this I got me a tattoo of Jar Jar Binks he's gonna be the biggest character out of the prequels and he's just got this giant arm tattoo of Jar Jar Binks and while Seth Rogen's character is not a real character I have to believe that there were people out there who probably did who were such diehard Star Wars fans that they did in fact get pod racer tattoos or Jar Jar Binks tattoos Like that would happen in Star Wars fandom for sure.
3: That does happen in Star Wars fandom. It's not a made up thing at all. No. I'm sure if we pulled people who went to Galax- Galaxy's Edge on opening day, how many of them had like dumb episode 1 tattoos on their body. I'm sure the answer is not zero people. That's all. I I really haven't seen episode 2 or 3. I've seen parts. Well, I've seen like the memes and uh, obviously and I've seen you know the relevant parts but I never really watched the dev- the non chemistry I guess between Natalie Portman oh. and Hayden Christensen and all I remember is that Hayden Christensen for sure got trashed in all of the subsequent reviews As being just sort of boring and cardboard and just sort of like the worst Skywalker. I mean, just completely fucking trashed. And it kind of reminded me a little bit of how not only how toxic the fan base can be, because it really, really is, but also the way that they like pick apart characters in the newer iteration of the the trilogy of just... Absolute fucking nonsense! I know those, but Hayden Christensen was bad. Nobody is as bad as he was. No, I must say, Uh, especially even in like the newer trilogies, they've done a really good job of casting in the newer trilogies, but they haven't done such a good job of matching. A director to each one, and it probably should have just been the same director the whole fucking time. To be completely honest,
2: yeah, I mean, but yeah, sorry. Back to
3: the episodes,
2: yeah, it's just different visions. Um, I did so I did see episodes two and three. Um, there, I mean, the chemistry is, is not great. I do feel bad that like. Honestly, Hayden Christensen was not great in these movies, like you said, but he got, he did get shit all over. And that was like,
3: miscast.
2: He was miscast. Like they could, there were so many other white, young white dudes. And I wonder for them, it was kind well, of what? I would actually say that
3: maybe he was cast perfectly because that kid got a bunch of shit for being bad, too. So maybe they're like, oh, well, they're both stiff, boring white guys. Maybe it'll kind of translate. But I really did think that Hayden Christensen was sort of just uh, the weirdest, not the weirdest, but... Out of, like you said, all the white guys that were hot at the time, why him? I'm not really sure.
2: I mean, there's part of it was like, I think they wanted to cast an unknown, but then there was also, what's interesting is one of the like, I think it's an Honest trailer or something that does like a parody of episode two or episode three, and then talks about like the acting choices that Hayden Christensen makes. But then they flash over to like Luke Skywalker, Mark Hamill, and he's like pretty whiny as well at times in the, in the, the original trilogy. And it's like... The, the guy who's doing, like, the in-a-world voice is like, wait a second, did Hayden Christensen make acting choices truly based on, like, logic that his son in these other movies would sound like this? Um, just because, like, Hayden Christensen's so whiny at certain points, just... Really, I, I mean, I think that's probably the worst part of the the other rest of those movies. They got rid of Jar Jar Binks pretty quickly after that. I think he makes like a brief cameo in episode two. They're, you're, I think you're right. They've done a much better job with casting in the, the last three movies. And, but the fandom, again, is just like really like, awful humans. And I say this as a diehard Star Wars fan, but, like, the way they trashed um, Kelly Marie Tran, uh, who was in episode eight. I will eight. never get over it. I mean, it was,
3: I mean they, they've they've come a long way in terms of casting and trying to be diverse as much as Disney is able to. Yeah. But they they really haven't stopped letting them do racist shit. It's kind of... I guess it isn't that mind-boggling, but it it's... It's nice to know that other people feel the same way because I would definitely say that the uh, the people pointing out that Jar Jar Binks possibly is, you know, a little bit of like a racist stereotype kind of happened in a vacuum versus now everybody was like the way that you treated Kelly Marie Tran was like gross and you should all be ashamed of yourself that you... Terrorize this poor girl. Like, I mean, she's truly like 24. You terrorized her so much that she her got first, off social media, and you guys still her wouldn't. First stop major. Because role. they dared to let an Asian girl be a pilot?
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role.
4: Mm. Hello, Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
3: I know. I mean, what a introduction! No wonder she doesn't really act that much. I totally wouldn't do the same thing either, or just like go to theater or something. And this but, is to be yeah, honest, it's
2: not great. I think this is where. As an adult, I I never grew up really watching Star Trek and that kind of thing. Um, I started watching Star Trek because I was introduced to it in college. But I will say that like from the get-go, Star Trek has always been a much more inclusive... Uh, much better at... Oh, definitely. Like, ahead of its time. Like, Gene Roddenberry, what he did was, like, just incredible. And so, I think as an adult, I have grown, while I still do love Star Wars because it meant to me so much, you know, when I was 9 or 10, seeing the movies for the first time, um, I think I've grown to appreciate Star Trek more because uh, of just how much kinder the fandom can be there and um, just the overall being ahead of its time in terms of casting a racially diverse cast making sure that women are in po- on points of power in uh on those uh the starships like in general i um yeah star trek go star trek i don't really have anything else to say about these uh mini uh sorry the prequels um just that yeah at one point this was like the biggest fucking deal i mean it was a year after titanic hype like cuz titanic came out end of 97 but really was spilled into 1998 um, and it ended up making uh, there's I think it grossed more than 924 million at the time, which is equivalent to over 1.4 billion dollars in like this year's money. Holy shit! Yeah, which- I again.
3: I should not be super surprised by any of this. I, I also think it's really interesting. I think that a similar thing that happened to the new trilogies also happened in these episodes where. All of the hype was all about the first one. Everybody was super stoked. Everybody was really ready. Unfortunately, but the difference is that A New Hope or whatever a new, whatever the new the latest, the first one was of the new trilogy was called. Everybody really liked it because it was essentially like recycled all three of the very first movies that came out, not chronologically. I know there's a difference. Uh, the first three that came out was like all three kind of mixed into one. And then they started doing all of those like solo and the red... Red one or whatever the other one was. Well, I will say
2: that one was good. Um, with Felicity Jones, I heard it was good. I didn't
3: see it, but yeah. all I'm trying to say here is that they were also trying. They were launching Disney Plus. They were doing a lot. The oh, market for sure. got extremely Star saturated. Wars saturated. Yeah, and by the time the third one came out, I was like, it almost didn't even get promoted. I had barely even registered that it had come out, other than all the bad reviews that kind of came along with it. And it really kind of felt like the episode one. But happened to the third one all over again because I really love the Ryan Johnson one. I I think all the nerds that hate it are – they're wrong and are little fucking babies and should shut the fuck up. I I truly think it's the best out of the three.
2: Out of the three.
3: Yes, because it was the most original take on yeah. Star Wars. It and wasn't a recycled version of Star Wars. It wasn't trying to be anything that it wasn't. It was J. trying J. J. to actually Abrams. do something yeah. different.
2: And I say this exactly. as someone who did likes... Like, and I like J.J. Abrams. Genuinely, I do. Who I, like J.J. Abrams?
3: He makes really easy sci-fi that's fun to watch. No one's saying that. But he also... It's not... It's all paint-by-numbers with him. That's like right. his whole fucking shtick. And exactly. that's fine. But people... I guess Star Wars fan base does not like to be challenged. We are just talking about that, but I really do think that there's an interesting correlation between episode one's release and the last uh, of the most recent trilogy, Rise of the Skywalker, I believe. I feel the like Rise there are a Skywalker, lot of similarities yeah. that, I think that there are a lot of similarities if we were to like dig into it between the two that we could kind of draw a parallel because I think a lot of it is like, fatigue, Star Wars fatigue, because by the time I think the hype of it finally coming out, people were already starting to turn on episode one, even before it started. Yeah. But I think also there was a longer gap between the original trilogy and the episode trilogy and a less so with the most recent trilogy. The only reason why anybody really, I think a lot of, or it seemed like more people gave a shit about the most recent trilogy that came out was not necessarily because everybody's on social media, but because your parents who love love Star Wars are here. The kids of you, you, their kids are are also uh, able to go and see it multiple times with your friends. And also, you probably have kids, so it's like a three generational affair now. I just think that it's really interesting. There's probably some more correlations. If I stopped rambling, but I really think that the tides turning on them. Just give it ten years; they'll do another trilogy. It'll be fine. Just like the episode shit died down. And I think that even in retrospect, people love. Or not love but have come around to and found things to like about episodes one through three I mean, as they're... evidenced by nicole Bayer and lauren lapkus's uh podcast newcomers they they've never seen star wars before and they go back and rewatch the whole thing from start to finish and i think nicole byer actually ends up liking the episode trilogy which i thought was very funny
2: <laughs> yeah so i think that with that one it's it's interesting because it's like yes okay the central casting of of Anakin Skywalker, both as a child and as an adult, not great. But honestly, like, if you look at the supporting cast that they got for that, they had Ewan McGregor, Liam Neeson, Samuel L. Jackson, Natalie Portman, who, like apart you know she has to cry quite a bit throughout these movies but i wouldn't say Natalie Portman is bad in these movies like she's a fine she's a great actress um honestly in some of these cases i really think the mater- they did the best they could with with the material that they were given and this was also like keep in mind George Lucas's first foray into CGI so like he had started playing around with the re-releases of the original movies um hashtag #han shot first but like you know it was it's that's really when he started feeling like the need to put cgi into everything and so now you know if you watch the original movies from the 70s and 80s they're still good movies but a lot of what you know kind of made them magical in the sense that you you know didn't have those special effects at the time it was literally just like a sound effects department and a bunch of models um, that they you know scaled uh now it just feels like everything's kind of been overly cgi'd and For me, it kind of takes away the charm that, like, that original movie was made on a shoestring budget. They had no idea what they were doing. Like, I think that's part of the reason why I love the original movie so much is that it's not as good as Empire Strikes Back, but just knowing the story behind it, that, like, you know, it was kind of this brand new thing and uh, was made by a young filmmaker. Like, I think a lot of the charm went away when they started overly CGIing stuff. But, you know, it's my opinions on Star Wars.
3: I totally agree. And I think that once it started to get corporatized, for lack of a better term, it lost a lot of its charm. But some of, I mean, the in-camera effects that they do on Star Wars are things that I studied in school. That's how revolutionary they were. And Coppola, who is friends with George Lucas, is also like a pioneer of like in-camera effects. And it's just super interesting to learn that kind of stuff. And like you said, the CGI kind of takes away a little bit of the charm and it's not as fun and that's kind of what i really liked about ryan johnson was that he tried to lessen the cgi effects and tried to do more stuff or as much stuff as he could in person and i think that was why it to me felt like One of the old movies, again, because it just felt like a filmmaker just didn't know what he was fucking doing and was just trying something new.
2: Uh, But, yeah. yeah, I
3: mean, I like Star Wars just as much as the next average person. I would definitely not say that I'm, you know, one of those lunatic fans that feels the need to, like, at people about suggestions for things, but... Yeah. I've heard the cartoon is supposed to be very good too.
2: Um, I've heard what good is things it? Like about the Stormtrooper the- one. Clone
3: Wars. Clone Wars.
2: Yeah. And then The Mandalorian is really good too, which I I I have yet to watch. Um, Oh, right. But I also haven't watched that yet. I've heard good things. I mean, what's really been interesting for me is like, honestly, in the last decade or so, you know, they came out with a new trilogy, but really the side projects have been the most interesting apart from like, you know, Solo, which wasn't great. And a couple of other things really like the shows that they've been able to come up with and Rogue One, I really did enjoy. I thought it was a well put together story. So, um... Yeah, I mean we'll see what happens in the universe in the next 10 years. I think they already have a few pilots uh that Disney Plus has ordered to um, t- you know, show up on their platform in the next couple of years. So, we'll see.
3: That makes sense because I'm sure a lot of people signed up for Disney Plus just for the Star Wars content and yeah. only that. So, yeah. I hope they make the Christmas special available soon because uh, that is hilarious and you are- so
5: Chewbacca Mm.
3: is a Mm. deadbeat dad Mm. and that's all we'll say about that thanks for bringing up Star Wars episodes one through three I had really not really thought about them that much in in a long time but all I'm thinking about now is that really funny meme of I think it's Ewan McGregor where he was like they took the green screen photo of him like doing like a Star Wars battle and like put him like on a stripper pole and like a bunch of other places. And that's really just uh, just a flip book of those images is what's going through my mind right now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, people are clever. That's really all we have to say about star Wars. Um, so thank you for joining us again for our remember episodes. We will hopefully be releasing some more of, uh, many episodes in general, obviously, but, um, more of this specific, uh, type of game, as always, you can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us now on Stitcher. Ao, we are available on Stitcher if that is your podcast streaming service of choice. Um, you can also find us on Instagram at the Old Millennials Pod and on Facebook at the Old Millennials Pod. And we also have a Medium page, so if you want to read about us rambling about Limp Biscuit or. The Romeo and Juliet soundtrack, which will be coming out up on a post with uh, very soon, or probably will have at this point by the time you listen to this episode, check us out on Medium. Um, and as always, you can find us on our individual Twitter accounts. I'm at Emily A. Bejen, and I'm at Marg's. She wrote. And until next time, bye. Bye. <laughs>